Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Good morning, Calvary. We love you. I'm glad to be back. If those of you that I have not met before, my name is Chris Kitts. I was on staff here back in the, the early 2000s and did a lot of dumb things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, recently, the last few years, 12 years ago, out of the church that I was at in Granbury, Texas with Lonnie Learman, we planted a church about 15 miles away from there and had the privilege to be a, a lead pastor at Rivers Church in Glen Rose, Texas. I don't know why people come to our church. For real, if you was to tell me, even when I was on staff here, that one day I would pastor a church, I would say, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, not me. But that's how God works, and God's good, and, and we are, are blessed to be able to, to do it. I have so many fond memories of this place. It just, uh, every time we think of Taylorville, we just smile. In fact, my wife is just now getting over us moving. <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell, it's part of the message today. She was pretty mad and didn't tell me till after we moved. <laughs> but I learned so much. I learned a lot what not to do. And thank you guys for being patient with me. Uh, where your student center is across the street when we moved, uh, there was no bathrooms there. And kids had to come from across the street over here to go to the bathroom. And so Pastor Branch's like, hey, you need to find someone to be in charge of traffic. Anybody remember that? And I was trying to find people to do it. and couldn't find anybody to do it. And I had a, all I had was a stop sign. And a vest, and I put Adam Enlow in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> and I, it's the biggest chewing out I've ever gotten in my life, and well-deserved, too. Because he's out there on, in the intersection, and cars are just like, holding a stop sign. Uh, I, think it, uh, I think of things like that. that just because someone's willing to do something doesn't mean they're the right person to do it. Hey, I learned that uh, when your wife's not home, make sure you know when she's coming home. We were over here in the, on the Maxwell house and had a bunch of teenage boys at the house with us, and we got stale bagels and, and rubber bands. And Kelly wasn't home, so we would throw bagels into the ceiling fan and say, pull, and they'd hit it, and it'd fly across the room. We'd go, bap, 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 and she walked in. That was, that was not good. I learned I probably, sh you shouldn't have let me drive your kids anywhere. I, I, I remember one of our first activities. We went to uh, Springfield to do a big activity. And something happened. Bus driver couldn't come. I'd never driven a bus before. And it was one of our first big activities. I got in that bus and it was snowing and just... They had the clutches, everybody in there, wah, bam, smacking their heads. <laughs> I remember we did a strong man thing uh, over here, 
and had these guys pull a bus with their teeth, and I forgot to undo the ropes that they pulled the bus with, and I had them hooked to the mirrors and was driving back to park the bus. And it's like, what's that sound? And all of a sudden, the mirrors passed me because they got caught up under the wheel and ripped off and went. <laughs> Kelly got the van stuck at the mall. That was what, really a lot of those stories. Oh, we were coming back from Florida once and almost got hit by a train in Pena. Was anybody here that was riding with me? Good. Because that's evidence. You know, it was dark. We were coming back, and I thought I was on one side of the road. The little ding, ding, ding thing. And I was actually in the middle on the train track. I was like, why is there one behind me? There's, oh, and I left. And I had, a, I had a big dent there. But I came here when I was 28 years old. I was struggling since the time I was 18 whether I should be in ministry or not. And... I finally just got tired of struggling with it. And when we came up here, I thought, God, you know, most people tell stories. Oh, when I got called in the ministry, God spoke to me and I cried and I surrendered. Oh. I didn't do that. I just kept thinking somebody's got to do something. And I, I was willing, but I never. So I just swung for the fence and thought, God, if you hadn't called me, you can fire me. That's how I ended up here. And when I got here, God affirmed that call. And I fell in love with you. And I fell in love with a group of teenagers. I learned an old trick. If you start getting teary-eyed when you're speaking, think of a color and a shape at the same time. And that usually helps you. Just a little mind trick. Try it. Orange circles. But I did. I fell in love. And God was like, okay. And some awesome things happened. I never felt like I was the smartest guy. Studied. Was dropping deep knowledge. But my whole goal was just to try to be a godly example. And that you can be who God made you to be. Be normal, but still love Jesus. And God blessed it. And God used my time here to teach me a lot. I didn't finish Bible college. I went to school, my degree's in history. But I learned how to minister here. I learned to love people. Leading is not easy. You know, they always say you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Right? When you get to see the ins and outs of just life, life is messy, isn't it? And it's hard. And to be in a church and try to do things godly and you see things and you think, man, I don't want to be a part of that. But you know what? what God loves people that it's, when it's messy. And I learned that here. I owe a debt that I cannot repay. My oldest daughter, Kelsey, 
right downstairs, heard about Jesus. While Dolly Brown was teaching. I got the lyrics of the Lord in the house. I owe a debt I can't repay. And now, you know, she's teaching school and doing missionary stuff and doing great. And so I prayed as soon as I knew I was going to get a chance to come speak, I wanted to tell you thank you. But I thought, what could I possibly, God, what would you want me to say? So if you have your Bible, open them up. And this is going to seem weird. We're going Old Testament. But 2 Samuel, chapter 23. I'm, see, didn't help that much, Josh. I showed Josh my dyslexic font. It's chapter, it is 23. I said 23 or did I say 32? I did say 23. I got it right. See, it does work. In my brain, I saw I said 32. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, as we dive into your word, we know that it's your word that is supernatural, that your word changes lives, and that really anything that I have to say is just Chris. But God, let it be what your word is remembered today. It's your word that changes lives. So be with us now. I know everybody has brought something into this room that their mind can wander to that burdens or heartaches. But just in the next few minutes, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit just have liberty in this place and that you bless your word. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. It says, and therefore, Benaiah, son of uh, Jehoi, that dude, uh, a valiant warrior of Kabzil, he did heroic deeds, which including, included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased down a lion into a pit and killed it. And once armed with a club, he killed an opposing Egyptian warrior who, who was armed with a spear. But I wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. That's pretty, pretty cool. That's like Jason Bourne. Deeds like this made Benaiah famous as the three of mightiest warriors. He was more honored than other members of the 30, uh, though he was not one of the three. David made him captain of his bodyguard. So we read here just a few verses. I finally start. I got a chronological Bible and just try to challenge myself to do something different. And I've probably read through this a lot. But to stop, it's one dude is mentioned doing one thing, and it's easy to read over it. You don't see Benaiah anywhere else. And this is King David. We hear a lot of stories of David, right? David Goliath, David Bathsheba. What, one thing I love about the life of David is at the end of David's life, you know what God said? He did everything I asked him to do. He didn't say, oh, but that one time he saw that hoochie mama up on there taking a bath. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> I 
My bad. That's why, yeah. That's, I'm telling you, I don't know why people come to my church. Yeah. <laughs> but in this, he doesn't say, oh, but that one time, he did everything I asked. And so David's reminiscing on his life and going back over all these people. And he tells this one little phrase of a guy named Beniah. And when I, I read that, I think that kind of is Calvary Baptist Church to me. A town of, what, 11,000? Is that rounding up? See, like a town we live in, how many is Glenrose? It's probably 5,000. Not even that, but we always give the county population instead of the town. Oh, yeah, well, countywide, we're this big. Because, you know, when your directions, like, turn at the light, the light, you live in a small town. Uh, but you think, in a town of 11,000, corn every direction, we're not, you know, but God has done some amazing things through Calvary Baptist Church. And we'll continue. Next week, you celebrate 75 years. And the ripple effect of Calvary Baptist Church has changed eternity. It's changed my world. Because of a church who's brave, the world is a different place because this place exists. The world needs more places just like this. We get all fired up and think the We get distracted easy. Did you know that? You ever watch boxing? You ever watch Sugar Ray Leonard? See, now you know I'm old. I'm quoting Sugar Ray. I'm giving Sugar Ray Leonard examples. But he'd box. He'd do this. Get you looking over here. And then, wham! And then hit you with the other one. And I think as a church in general, we get distracted by a lot of things. And forget really the great things that's going on. We get fired up and get worried and get, have a different problem of the week and everybody's on that bandwagon and Satan just comes along and says, wham. But this church is making a difference. It's changing eternities. And it, don't overlook it. I'm so glad to be back. It's good to look back and see where God's brought you in 75 years, but Calvary's heyday is not in the past. No way. God, does he, change, does he change his mind about people? Does he? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is he, does he change what he wants to do? Do people still need Jesus? Do people still need love? Do people still suffer with addictions? Do people still, right? As long as there's people, we have purpose. And you look at Benaiah, and in between these two things, like he killed a couple guys from Moab, then he took this dude's uh, spear and stabbed him with it, but sandwiched in between there, is something that you could read really quick and not think about it, but the dude 
tracked down a lion on a snowy day and killed it in a pit. That's huge. Have you done that? I once shot an elephant in my pajamas. How I got in my pajamas, I'll never know. That's a, that a Mark's brother joke. That's awesome. That's a way homer. You'll get that on the way home. Most people don't go chasing after lions, do they? Think about it. If you're out in the woods and you saw a lion, what would you do? It took some bravery, didn't it, to take on that challenge. That is Benaiah. That is Calvary Baptist Church. To take on a challenge. People need Jesus. And it is more challenging now than it's ever been. I was talking to Kevin Brown, and you know the last two years, it's crazy here, it's crazy everywhere. And I told Kevin, I feel like I've been playing whack-a-mole for the last two years. That every decision we make, then something else pops up and we have to hit that one and we have to hit that one. And it's challenging. But everything in life worth having is hard. And people still need Jesus, even if it's getting harder. Take it on that challenge. Who goes chasing after a lion? Not me. Man, I, Pastor Steve and Shelly, they were youth pastors in Sweetwater when I was a kid growing up in Abilene. So we got to do some things with them. Our churches were 30 miles away from each other until, until our two churches got in a fight on the basketball court. Then we quit doing stuff together. <laughs> It was crazy, man. Yeah. Dr. Kenny, God rest his soul. They were, he's out there. We're filming this. I ain't going to say anything. Uh, but then when they were, they were in uh, Hallmark there in Fort Worth, Texas, doing youth there, then I was working with youth in Abilene. We met up to go play paintball. Took our two youth groups to go play paintball. Before I'd ever heard of paintball, played paintball. We get out there and there's this cocky kid in just a, a, like a safety vest and a pair of goggles holding his paintball gun. You could die playing paintball. <laughs> Here's the rules, right? And it's just like, it's <laughs> like he flunked out of something and then they, got a, they gave him a paintball gun. Hey, you're in charge of safety. And so he's scaring our kids to death. I say our kids, it was, it was me. <laughs> I was like, that's going to hurt. I don't want to get hurt. And when I blow the whistle, there's another team of people over there that have paintball guns, and you could hear, like, the, the kids that live in their mom's basement, and they're, like, 37 years old with their paintball guns over there. And you're like, oh, my word, they're going to kill me. And mine only goes like... And so when I blow this whistle... Everybody's going to charge each other, and you're going to go. And they blew the whistle, and I took off the opposite direction. <laughs> and I'm hot, like, everybody goes this way. I go, uh-uh, Jack. And I go, and I'm hiding behind a tree, and I look up, and it's me and Shelly Switzer just looking at each other. We're on the same team. Like, you didn't go that way either? No, I didn't go that way either. 
And I dare say, that's most people. The world can seem really scary. And God's, you think, man, we put all this pressure on ourselves. I remember as a kid, we'd go soul winning, door to door, and come back and if people didn't get saved, they'd like scary death. Their blood's on your hands. And you're, oh my God. We'd put all this pressure on ourselves. But really, Jesus wants, just wants you to tell your story. He does the saving part. We don't save anybody. But we put all this pressure on ourselves. We got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. And God just said, just be, let me do my job. Let me be faithful. We look at all the things in the world that's going on. So how could I ever make a difference? I can't do that. You're born on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And seasons change. Sometimes you're at home taking care of your kids. That's a season. You're pouring in Jesus there. I've moved in a different season of life. My kids are, are gone and I'm taking care of my dad, and that's a different season. But all through those seasons, there are people that need Jesus. And I can get mad at the news, and I can get mad at everything that's going on. But only Jesus changes lives. What would... Taylorville look like if everybody in town knew the Lord and was growing? What would my town look like? What would our country look like? That's what fixes stuff, isn't it? Nothing that you and I have. Give people Jesus. And you don't have to be perfect to do it. But to be committed. We live in a world, man... That's hard. Most people don't commit. But I was committed to be around 75 years as a church. Calvary Baptist is committed. Committed. Some people want everything to be perfect before they're willing to commit themselves to anything. Right? Well, I want everything to be just right. But really, commitment becomes before achievement. Following me? When you're committed to something, the achievement comes later. You just don't show up as success. To be, com to be committed to it. You can go door to door here, because I've done it. And you talk to someone, oh, I, I went to Calvary years ago. That's where I used to go to church. And you hear things like, oh, well, the church hurt me. You ever, have you heard that? It's not unique to hear. People look, will look for any excuse not to commit. Do you guys have the Lord's chicken here? In, in, in Springfield, do you have uh, Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken? <laughs> it's good, man. I was getting my hair cut. And we have some people at our church on the barbershop. I was in there 
franchise owner from Chick-fil-A, a guy from a little taco stand was there, and they were getting their haircuts. I was like, you dudes need to pay for my haircut because my kids, that's the only thing they'll eat is what you two, your two restaurants have, burritos and chicken nuggets. And he's like, no, you sent my kid to college already. But if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, why do people love Chick-fil-A? Because you pretty much get the same experience anywhere you go at any Chick-fil-A, don't you? I've even tried to trick them to say, not my pleasure. But they do it. They're, fat, they're good. I've thought about getting a part-time job at Chick-fil-A just so I can learn how they train their employees. Because you get the same experience. You get good food. You get it fast. How they, to get a line to go through that fast, man, that is amazing. We have a McDonald's in town, don't we? We quit even trying to guess what we got. It was just like, <laughs> what, what do you want? What's your order? Okay, okay, okay. And they're not listening. They're just shoving food in a bag. It's whatever's left. You get home, you're like, all right, this is what I'm eating. <laughs> not Chick-fil-A. They have a system in place, right? And it's always good. People say, well, the church hurt me. The church did not hurt you. A couple of boneheads in the church hurt you. You had one bad experience. I'm sure there's one time I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A and someone has a bad day and doesn't say my pleasure. I'm sure that is going to happen. But does that make all Chick-fil-A a horrible place? No. If you're waiting to find the perfect church, this ain't it. Because there's not one. And if you're waiting, say, I'm going to go, I'm going to wait to commit till I find the perfect church. I'm going to go over here and it's going to be, as soon as you show up, it ain't perfect no more. <laughs> right? It's like Cousin Eddie. <laughs> if you're like, man, there's no, every family has a Cousin Eddie. And if you think, oh, my family doesn't have a Cousin Eddie. Yeah, they do. It's you. <laughs> you're Cousin Eddie. But to commit... To, to go after something as challenging as a lion in the snow, that is life. That is hard. And it takes people that are committed to do that. What are we committed to? It won't be on your screen, but Matthew chapter 23, verses 36 through 40 says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment? This is disciples of the law of Moses. Verse 37 says, this is Jesus' reply. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is what we're committed to. You know, those two things aren't backwards. Love your neighbor as yourself then love God because we can't do it in ourselves can we we make things a lot harder than what they have to be God does his job if I love if I chase after Jesus I've told my girls you find a guy that chases Jesus more than he chases you then that's the guy you go after marry when we point people to Jesus he's the one that changes lives Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. We do that, then guess what's a natural byproduct of that? We'll love our neighbor as ourselves. 
To be committed to that. And I know this church is committed to. You wouldn't have been around 75 years. It doesn't mean you hadn't had heartache, does it? Every family's had heartache. It happens in your personal family and it'll happen in your church family. But that doesn't mean the cause is worth just throwing your hands up and saying, I quit. Because it hurts. Commitment is tested by action. You following me? Commitment is tested by action. And during my time that I was here, I learned that. You can talk a good talk. I love it when people find out I'm a preacher. Especially like when people are cussing like a sailor in front of me, like at, at the mechanic shop or Kelly's mom's house. And, and then they're like, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, well, then they start speaking the king's English, right? Using words like manifesting and stuff like that. You're like, man, come on, man, you phony. Yeah, I, let, I told church a couple weeks ago, if I do a, I've done weddings, I'm not the morality police. People do what they do, I, you know. My job is to point people to Jesus. But if I do a wedding and they're waiting for me to leave so they can party, I just stick around out of spite just to have my own fun. <laughs> I do, oh, well, thanks, preacher. Thanks for marrying us. And they're all going out and checking the coolers in the trunk. I know what they're doing. I'm not stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got any more of that chicken? And just making them pay. But I've seen time and time again this church doesn't just talk the talk, it walks the walk. Commitment is always tested by action. We can say the right things, and, but doesn't action speak louder than words? You know, you know you got fair weather friends when you have a pickup. Hey, Chris, I ain't seen you in a while. You got a truck, right? What are you doing next Saturday? You want to help me move? Like, man, I hadn't talked to you in 20 years. Now we're best friends. <laughs> That's just a good analogy. You know who your friends are when you got a pickup. Put that down on that part of the notes. But man, when I was here, I've seen it. I learned lessons here that I carry every day, that actions speak louder than words. That with commitment is always tested by action. I was, the series of events that brought me to Calvary were not great. Had a worship leader prior to I got here that had an affair. And it hurt. It hurt the church. And it was still dealing with even the fallout of that hurt. But do you know what I witnessed while I was here? That same man came back and said he was sorry that he hurt the church and that he had that moral failure. The fact that the church even let someone come and do that is amazing. Most places would have swept it under the rug and just said, go on and pretend like it didn't happen, but that allowed healing, not just for him, but for the church, and that is action. 
That's not just saying, hey, God forgives, but that's action. I saw that. Do you know what happened six months after we planted our church? Our worship leader had an affair on his wife. And he was the only connection, the guy that grew up in that town. After I wanted to whoop him, I remembered. Action, commitment is always tested by action. I listened to Greg Wendell, missionary from here to Kenya, called day after day after day after day. He would come in, get on the phone, call church after church, say, can I come tell you about my burden for Kenya? No, okay. Can I come tell you about my burden for Kenya? No, okay. I said, Greg, how do you do it? He said, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for that person in Kenya that doesn't know the Lord that God's put on my heart. They're not rejecting me. I'll just keep going. And he did it, man. And I watched that commitment in action. Not knowing that one day that I was going to be a lead pastor and would be taking on missionaries. And they would call. And you want to say yes to everybody, but man, I treat every missionary like a hero now because I watched Greg Wendell. You see, commitment is always tested by action. I've watched you guys sacrifice to send people to camp. Time. There's people right now that want to be up here that are serving downstairs. Commitment is always tested by action. I love you, Lord. We can say it all we want, but until it's tested by action, it's all talk, isn't it? How we started our church? We, for years... When I left here, I had to go back by vocational because the church that we went to where Lonnie was only had about 50 people. didn't make any sense. But we've watched it grow over the years. But we, how we started the church in Glenrose was for like four years, we said, we need to start a church. We need to start a church. We need to start a church. Well, we were in staff meeting. I said, we're going to start or we're going to talk about it. That pretty much volunteered me to do it. You know, but really, it's all talk until you actually step up and do it. And I've seen this church do it. And you think, man, it's embarrassing for me to have somebody help my kid go to camp. You're not always going to be in that position. One of these days, it's going to be your turn to help send another. Don't be so prideful. Camp changes lives. That's just a little side note. Through serving I try to watch online this service all the time. Mike, man, I don't know how you don't age a lick. For real. Whatever found a youth you're drinking from, give me some of that. Because honestly, I watched online. I was like, is this a rerun from 20 years ago? 
that's even a uh, high-definition camera. Way to go, Mike. Proud of you. <laughs> staying in there, staying committed. You serve. And then you know what? Committed to the little things that no one will ever see. Just being godly to people every day. Just practicing things like in Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath. When you want to go to work and you're like, I am going to freak out on you. I always tell people at our church, I'm going to hit you with a brisket. You ever seen a brisket in the, in the store? That could do some damage. That's my backup plan. If it goes down in Walmart, you go to the gun section, I'm getting a brisket. Whack! That'd knock you out. I don't know why I told you that. But right, just the little things. When someone's wanting to, you just think, oh, I'm going to flip out on you. Just being godly. The little things that nobody notices. God notices. Being committed. I don't like my job today. But I'm a missionary to my workplace. Today I am God's representative to where I'm going. Say, well, I've got to be perfect. Or I got, No. Even when you're hurt, Cindy, I'm sorry. But even through pain, when I lost my mom, it grew me. Even through pain, God can still use us through our pain. When your world stops and everybody else keeps going, It's hard to explain the peace that passes all understanding until you experience it. People need to see that. And it comes from putting it in action to when you are hurting so bad that you don't even know how to explain it. And you're not phony. Oh, Jesus is getting me through like a car salesman. You know, what's it going to take to get you into a 2021 Jesus? Not that. But just the everyday living life, just being godly. Commitment is always tested by action. So if you're going through something and you think, oh man, it's too much. Commitment is always tested by action. You have a choice inside of that. Chasing lions in the snow with a club is a challenge that you've got to stay committed to. And man, I'm so proud of this church. Third, commitment opens doors to achievement. Sometimes commitment is all you have. When you're going through some hard times, how many of you have had a perfect marriage your whole entire life? Oh, great, nobody. All right, it's not just me. I don't know how, for real. Can you imagine being married to me? It's not easy. It's like, hey, we should buy a boat. Just that's kind of Chris in a nutshell. So you come home. Would you come home for lunch today? Yeah, how'd you know? Well, all the cabinet doors were open. That's Chris. 
right? I came home and all the cabinet doors were still open. That's me. But marriages go through a season. Life goes through seasons. But when you know you're committed, you can weather the hard stuff. Doesn't make it easy. But you come out the other side stronger when you do. Same thing here. This church has seen great things. This church has had some hard things. But sometimes commitment to the cause and to each other will see you through a lot of heartache and a lot of challenges. And when you come out the other side of it, you are going to be that much stronger. Benaiah was brave to go after a lion in cold, uncomfortable weather. How many of you like to go hunting? Do you? Good for you. I loved it here, but I hated the cold. Best thing that ever happened to me is that day that dude had a seizure and hit that sign outside. Do you remember, do you remember the sign here before that sign was put up? I hated that sign. First of all, I can't spell. I can't see. And Pastor Branch, you know, I mean, he wanted it to be even from both sides. And, and one, I thought, well, I'll just put the same thing. No, couldn't put the same thing on both sides. So one side it had like God answers an email. And on the other side is Walmart's not the only saving place. And just... <laughs> stupid, corny stuff. And he wanted it done every Monday. And I, I hated that sign, especially in the winter. Because you couldn't put those letters up with gloves on. You just couldn't feel it. And then I never figured out a good way to do it. And it probably just says a little bit about how dumb I am. But So I'd, hold, I'd be holding it up with one hand trying to put the letters up, freezing. Somebody drive by and honk, and I'd wave with the hand that I was holding the thing up. Hey, wow. I'd have paid that dude to hit that sign. But you know what I'm talking about. When you're cold and you're uncomfortable and your fingers go from stinging to where you can't feel them and you're... I don't think one time I was out there singing, oh, I love you, Jesus. I was, uh, uh, no glory to God was ever given by that God answers an email sign. Because it was work, man. It was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Life is that way sometimes, isn't it? We go through seasons that hurt, that are uncomfortable, that we, do, we would not choose to go through them. I'm telling you, from the time I got out of high school to where I'm at in life now, I would have said, no way. I'm not signing up for that at all. But God has a way of just preparing you for this step. That's why the Bible says he's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Because you take this step, and then God shows up, and it gives you the faith to take this step, and the faith to take this step. I don't think anything's grown me in the last few years than my mother passing taking her to those chemo treatments, dealing with all that stuff. 
Because it took me to a place to where that I had to practice what I preached, not just say, if I meant it, I meant it. And commitment opens doors to achievement. When we left here, I could not explain it. We had an awesome youth group. I mean, I've never experienced anything before that or since that that has rivaled that time of life to where I was like, I cannot get, I cannot believe I get paid to do this. I would do this for free. I'm glad I didn't tell you that. (laughs) And I just could not complain about it. But something inside me was just like, I just couldn't get away from it. And we, I say we, it turns out it was my decision. I thought we, yeah. Anyway, she was mad at me. For real, when we moved to Granbury, and took, I went back and was bivocational, that church was different, way different than this one. I mean, it was, it smelled weird. It had quilts on pews where that was somebody's spot. Like, I walked in first day and had a different version than the New King James didn't say anything, but three people said something to Lonnie. That new youth guy had somebody, he's got a different version. I mean, that's kind of the church it was. And She was mad at me. She's like, what in the world? Why in the world are we here? And I thought the same thing too. I don't know. It did not make sense. It didn't make sense. But God knew the whole entire time. that I needed to come here and take this step. And then I had to step out on faith and let God show up and let him do some things that just did not make sense. Why are you here? In the, the, how many people do you know named Chris Kitts? That's not a very popular name, is it? It's not like John Doe. Which I've never met a John Doe either. But, but I show up and probably the first two weeks I lived there, some dude named Chris Kitts got arrested for bouncing checks. And all these little old ladies at church kept trying to hand me money. So after I took their money, I said, it wasn't me. But no, they were coming up thinking, why in the world are we hiring this criminal? So it was a weird time of a life, man, leaving something that we, and people we love dearly, stepping out. And we didn't even have a, I didn't even have a vocational job when we left. When we pulled up, and it uh, sounds like I'm making it up, but when we pulled up in Granbury with the moving truck, my phone rang and I was offered a job. That was enough to take care of us. Before then, the church could only give us maybe a couple hundred, but that was a big step of faith for me. It was a big step of faith for me to come here. It was a big step of faith for us to leave, and it hurt. I tried to ditch your kids 
they came to my house over here to tell me goodbye. I said, all right, I'll be right back. And I went out the front door from the parking lot and tried to get in my car and go home, and they knew what I was doing. And by the time I got to the front door, there's a bunch of kids there crying too. <laughs> but commitment opens doors to achievement. Sometimes that commitment you don't understand. You just know I'm committed to the cause. And I didn't, I didn't really understand. I was just trying to be faithful. And there's days, just like anything, I want to quit. Most Mondays. But who knew that we would start a church? God did. Can I tell you part of my job when I was working a vocational job was to go to the town where we planted a church and I had to meet every judge in town and I had to meet the school board because I was a school administrator with the federal program and we were putting a, 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 a couple of classrooms in that school district and so that was part of my job. Not knowing two more years from now we're going to be starting a church and I needed those relationships from my job. Isn't that awesome? But it didn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But commitment is, is always followed by achievement. And there's days I want to quit. And then I remember. Why? Last two years you make decisions and you try to lead people. And people get bent out of shape out of the craziest things. And people that... And you think, why, Lord? Why am I even putting myself through this? Then you get to do something like a funeral and have some widow say, this church means everything to me. I don't know where I would be without this church loving me. And you think, that's why I do it, Lord. You think, man, I'm just trying to love people. Why don't you just let me love you? And I want to quit. I still have. Rachel's visitor card. In a frame. And I remember that's why. People need Jesus. And when I want to quit and when it gets hard, and when you want to quit and when it gets hard, it's that commitment sometimes that's the only thing that you got. That I'm committed to it and I don't understand it, but commitment always comes before achievement. So can I challenge us, church? As we're going through a season, not just the world changing, not just here at church as, as a leadership thing is going on here at church. God doesn't change his mind of the purpose, of the cause. It may look different and it may sound different and you may not understand it, but stay committed to it. I've made her so mad at me so many times. I don't know, right? If... if if love if was conditional, 
I'd be in trouble. What is it today? Really think about it. Even over the last two years, have you felt like you've been fighting Sugar Ray Leonard? And the world's saying, look over here. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. And we get distracted and we forget to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor like ourselves. And we forget that commitment and we get over here and we get in the weeds and then our anxiety levels go up and then we start turning on our own friends over dumb things that don't really matter. And then boom. The knockout punch. Let's stay committed to the things that, can, that matter. The Bible says the only things that last forever is, are the souls of man and the word of God. Everything else will not be around. So can I challenge you? Maybe today you need to recommit to some things. Can I pray for you? Could you just bow your heads for me for just a second? Maybe today you are here and you not really, sometimes you just don't think about it until you think about it and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you think, man, I've been so distracted. I've been trying to do life on my own for so long and be the, be the guy that's in charge or the person that's in charge of my life for so long. And I see the fruits of that is just frustration. Can I tell you today that information without application will lead you to frustration. If you are frustrated in life and then you know better, that's because you're not applying what you know to do. What is it today that you need to recommit to? Maybe you, maybe you don't know Jesus at all yet. You say, well, I go to church every week. You come to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage makes you a car. It's what you do with that question of Jesus. Has there ever been a time in your life where you said, Jesus, I'm committing to you. I understand you lived a sinless life. And you paid for my sin, come into my life and forgive me. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. The Bible calls you a, a baby. Babies make messes. That's okay. But if you've never done that, maybe today you need to commit to that. If you've done that, maybe today you need to recommit to the things that are important. That you don't see someone who doesn't think like you and act like you and believe like you as your enemy. But you see someone who is lost and they need Jesus. And that, that you mourn over that. Maybe you need to commit back to your first love of Jesus. Jesus. 
God, I have tried to do things on my own for so long, and I just feel like I'm going through the motions of going to church. I clock in, I clock out. And I am so uptight and scared and worried. Maybe just you need to commit back to him. If you're here, you say, Chris, would you pray for me that I make some, I'm going to make a decision today. I'm going to recommit to some things. Could I pray for you? Would you just raise your hand quick, put it up and down. I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am going to, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm going to recommit to getting some of my priorities straight. Church, four verses, one guy, easily overlooked, did some amazing things. And we're reading about it today. Some bravery that it took. And then we have a choice. We can either cop out, hold out, wait, see how things are going to be, drop out, or be an all out. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. For those hands raised, there's probably 10 times more. that still have a burden on their heart that you've spoke to them today to commit to you to love you with all our heart with all our mind with all our soul and then from that Father to love others that you don't change your mind that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. How things are done, sometimes it changes, but the cause and the purpose and the message is always the same. Your recipes always taste good. Your way is always the correct way. So, Father, I pray for everyone in here this morning, those that are watching online, that you do supernatural things and continue to do them. And that, Father, that we have met with you today, that we have not just gone through the motions of coming to church, but, Father, today when we leave, we look a little bit more like you and act a little bit more like you. Father, again, we want to praise you for who you are. And I ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you very much. Love you guys.